I want to echo what Pastor Todd said and say Happy Mother's Day as well to those of you that are moms. Uh, I thank God too for my my mom, and she's in heaven now. And yet, uh, I, I'm thankful for her legacy in my life and uh, the lives of my brothers. I'm very, very thankful for her. She, uh, uh, ha- yeah, kind of had a rough upbringing, and yet God worked in, in her life and certainly used her in my life. And I thank God. I thank God for my mother-in-law, Peggy's mom. Uh, Peggy's mom was uh, a widow. I never met my father-in-law because uh, he had passed away when Peggy was in high school. And yet, I thank God for my mother-in-law. Um, for some reason, uh, if you're—I mean, if you're a guy, you understand this. But for some reason, my mother-in-law loved me, and uh, that's a good thing. Especially, I think—I don't think the way she, there were, Peggy had there six kids in her family, and I know that her mom didn't have a ranking system for her kids. But I will swear to you that she did have a ranking system for her son-in-laws, and I was number one. I just want you to know. I. I and so she, yeah, she was strong woman, godly woman, and, and had to handle being a widow for years. And so I thank God for my mom. I thank God for my mother-in-law. I thank God for my wife and uh, her role as mom over my children, including Pastor Todd. And uh, thank God for my daughters-in-law and uh, their being moms over my grandkids. And so I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, but I also know, and here's what I want to talk with you about. Um, the notes for today are the pink sheets of paper. I just figured that, um, that that would be appropriate. If you don't have a copy, you're welcome to get up and go get the copy of the notes or whatever, get a pen or pencil handy. Uh, I don't have uh, many occasions to use pink paper. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever done notes on pink paper before. Every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll print them for Pastor Todd and I'll, I'll give him the purple paper. But I decide, okay... You know, I'm not, I'm not threatened. My masculinity isn't threatened by pink, and so I did pink paper today in honor of Mother's Day. So if you have your notes, you can grab those, get your Bible handy, turn to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll get there in just a moment. And, and again, today's Mother's Day, and that's, that's a big deal, and I'm very, very thankful for that. But I also realize that, um, yeah, not everybody here today is obviously is a mom. In fact, and, and again, in fact, I know you know this, that in some cases, um, uh, Mother's Day is hard for some people, right? And, and, I, and I know because for whatever reason, in fact, I'm a guy that just likes to study. Uh, I started, I, I, started ma- I did a master's degree in sociology. I love like demographics and trends and culture and those kinds of things. And I know you know this that there are a lot of hurting families out there, right? In fact, in our area, that, that is growing. The number of hurting families is growing significantly. And I, I think that as a church, we need to, to pray and we need to be... And here's what I'm going to talk with you about today. Is, is TGD talk with us about that, that we're a part of God's family. And I think here's the thing, and here's the basic truth that I want to show, share with you this morning. Here, here it is, and that is we tend, humans, we tend to look at God and the family of God, sometimes through the lens of our family. I have told you stories about my family. I talked about my mom a second ago, but I've told you about my dad. And we tend to look at God, God the Father, we'll talk about that today, through the lens of our own dad. 
Well, what I want to suggest to you is that needs to be the other way around. And that is that the design that God has for His family needs to be the model for our family. It needs to be the other way around. Um, yeah, let me, let me shoot straight with you for a minute. Todd did the, uh, the top ten, so we got that stuff out of the way. Last week, last weekend, Peggy and I were gone, right? And we traveled out. I spoke at a church out in western Indiana. And uh, they were uh, in that town. It was, it was really kind of funny because uh, they're getting ready for end of the year, so they were having some open houses for high school graduates. And we went to a different town just to look at a Indiana general store like yeah that was fun and uh uh what was really kind of interesting we were in this town in the middle of nowhere in my mind in Indiana and there was the biggest limousine I have ever seen and the lady that we were with asked the guy the the what's that called the chauffeur the guy the driver like how many people is a Hummer made into a limousine you know and it was like it was like it was huge like bigger than a semi longer than a semi and so the lady we were with, a friend, friend of ours that in ministry out there, asked the driver, the chauffeur, how many does it hold? And he said, well, it holds 20. And so Pam is talking to this guy, and he looks like that, and Peggy's right next to Pam. And he said, Peggy? Here we were again in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. He was one of my, Todd Thompson was one of my, was one of my students at Faith when I was there. So that was kind of interesting. But the prom and all these kids were dressed up and all of that, and the kids that weekend were having open houses, and I met, I met a couple of kids that were brother and sister that the week before we got there, their mom gave them away. High school kids. I don't want you anymore. And uh, one of the families in this church said, well, hey, you can come live with me. I don't know what your model of family is, but I want you to know that God is never going to give you away. That once we're adopted into his family, we're a part of everything that God is. We've read the scriptures from Galatians. There in your notes, that one passage on the back is mentioned. You can look up that reference. We'll talk about that quickly in just a minute. But we're adopted into God's family as believers, which means we're heirs. Heirs. We get the inheritance for eternity, for almighty God. We're a part of his family. Our families hurt sometimes because we're all too human. We are. We're all too human. None of us have an ideal family. None of us. And we need to look at what God says about family and about his household and then apply that to our lives and to our families. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. So I want to talk with you about this. Some of the amazing advantages, some of the amazing advantages of being a part of God's family. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We've studied this before, but I'm going to look at it in a different way today and concentrate on one of the illustrations that God uses in this, in this passage about us being part of the household of God, the family of God. Let me read it. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, I'm going to read out loud, and you have that on the pink paper there in front of you. It says this, 19 through 22. Now therefore, 
you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, the family of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So I want to just share with you this morning quickly some of the amazing advantages of being a part of God's family. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can look there, or if you have your notes, you can look there on the front of the sheet. I want us to look at this passage, and then at the end, um, in the middle, there's a chart which has just, you write in one key word, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Let me look with you at this passage, and we'll see how the Apostle Paul, writing to the believers at Ephesus, sets this up. Notice what he says. Now, therefore, and again, I, I highlighted that in the PowerPoint program. Now, therefore, you are no longer citizens, or no longer, excuse me, strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. Let me just share with you as we get started. That term no longer implies or, or actually means that you were once this, but you're not that anymore. You're no longer that. Paul is writing here to the believers in Ephesus. And one of the things he says to them is, is this. Folks, friends, don't forget, God changes people's lives. That is an amazing thing, that God changes people's lives. This implies, and in fact, it flat out says it, even in the English, that we were once this, but we're not that any longer because God has changed us. One of the things that I am so thankful about, about my relationship with Almighty God, is that God changes people's lives. I'm so thankful I'm not what I used to be, and I'm so thankful that I'm not what uh, the world is, that God changes people's lives. And again, it says that we were once this, and we'll talk about what that is in just a minute, but now we're part of the household of God, a term that, <coughs> that does talk about family. It's actually a term that means a family of families. This, uh, uh, this past Christmas, for the first time, some of you know all of our family, of course, and a part of, a part of this church, but we have three kids, and our daughter is a missionary in Germany, and... Uh, Germany, again, is shutting down because of COVID. But she, we were very thankful that Christy has the opportunity to come home every year at Christmas. And we're, so she flew into Washington, D.C. She flew into Philadelphia. And we went down and got her. And we're thankful that our daughter could be here. Travis, our youngest son, and his family live in Iowa. And God worked it out for them to come home. And so Pastor Todd and his family live here. And so we were all be able to all together one day. We were all here in church together. We took a family picture. That's, that's rare. We were all together. This term means a family of families. And we're a part. Our family can be a part of what God is doing in the world today. We're members of his household. We're members. And again, it clearly says that we're not what we once used to be. And I'm going to just 
say this emphatically because the text talks about that, and that is, friends, please, 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 please hear me. If you have never put your faith in trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, in fact, I'm just going to put it this way. If you have, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, our lives have been changed. We have been adopted into God's family. So here's my plea. If you have never done that, please do that today. God can change our lives. We don't have to be stuck in the mire of sin, and we don't have to be stuck in the, in the disaster of human life, which we know, we, we all of us have illustrations of people we know that have had lives that are just ruined. We don't have to be stuck there. God can change us. And, and, and Paul is writing here to the Ephesians people, and he says, you're no longer this. God can save you. In fact, the Bible's emphatic. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 5, 13, says, but these things are written that you can know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. That's an amazing truth. And so I just wanted to highlight that as we get started, because Paul is writing by inspiration of God to believers, and he's making this point. God saved you out of your life and has changed you, and has put you into God's family. We've read that in the scriptures today, and we're going to talk about that a lot yet. So, let's go back to the text. This text, this paragraph that we're looking at, starts this way. And, and let's not just skip by this. I'm going to talk about the seven advantages <coughs> that are there on the inside of the sheet. But let me just talk with you about the, about the intro to this passage. Now, therefore, you, okay? The word now, and I'm just going to do this by by using the PowerPoint slides. Notice the language of this verse. Now, present time. You are present time, okay? Paul is starting there by by talking about the present time in their lives. So again, this is something that in, many of you know, I've talked about this. I love words. I love language. I love thinking about that right now. And and one of the things that I think God wants us to understand about his word is that it applies to our lives right now. We studied as a church a few months ago, the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Let's not think that someday I'll need this, or someday it will apply to our lives. Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers, and he's saying, Right now this matters. Right now. This is important. So I I just wanted to highlight this as we get started. Again, notice the second word in this paragraph is the word therefore. Pastor Todd and I both talked with you about this before. Whenever you see the word therefore, always check to see what it's there for. Okay? And here it means consequently, because of that, or for that reason. Often when Paul writes in Paul's writing style when he uses the word therefore I mean it just makes sense even in English language he, he he is saying there's a reason for this and that's important for what we're headed because of what we're saying here or then in some of the other translations so then again I underlined the word reason Paul is writing and he's saying here there's a reason for this truth and the reason is God changed our lives and we'll talk about that more in just a minute. 
And um, in that passage, remember I said, therefore, is always, you always, always, when you study the Bible, check and see what it's there for. Well, in this case, it goes back to the paragraph right before that. So I want to highlight that for you for a minute. If you look at the paragraph in your Bibles, if you look at the paragraph in your Bibles right before verse 19, in my Bible, um, it has the paragraphs divided by paragraphs. And so you could just look at this sometime, verses 34 down through, or excuse me, verse 14 down through verse 18. And, but I'm just going to highlight verse 18 for a minute. Here's what verse 18 says. Okay, Paul is writing, he says, this is why, this is the reason. So go back, what's it there for? Go back to verse 18, it says this. For through him, Christ, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. By the way, folks, this is a great verse because all three members of the Trinity are mentioned in this verse. Luke and I were talking about this earlier at breakfast. Can you believe that Luke is going to be a senior next week or next, next year? Senior. How did that happen? Luke, dude, you're getting old, buddy. One of the things we were talking about this, I was talking to this about Luke, is I used to work at his college. One of the things that seniors have to do at Clark Summit University is take a theology oral examination. Dude. Next year, buddy. Next year. How'd you like to do that? You sit in a room with a prof who invariably has a doctorate in education and often in the Bible or in theology, and that guy asks you questions. One of the things he's going to ask you, Luke, is give me a verse that proves the Trinity. Ha-ha! You got, you got one. Three members of the Godhead. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. Now, in this verse, it says, and here's the reason that Paul is talking about the amazing advantages of being a part of God's family. Here's the reason, okay? Because he says, through him, Jesus Christ, we have access by one spirit to the Father. I love that word access that's there. I tried to highlight that in the PowerPoint. The word access implies a relationship. It has the opportunity to connect or to address. In the original language, it means that, okay, that because you know God, you can talk to him in prayer. That, that's an amazing thing. And then it goes back in this whole paragraph. It says basically this, because of Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. There in your notes on the back page, I'm going to talk about this more in just a second, too. But I gave you some verses that point out that God, the God of the universe, is your heavenly Father. I gave you some verses on the back page that use the phrase in the Bible, um, Abba, Father. That's like, in our language, calling our dad, Daddy. It's a term of endearment that we have with God. Folks, here's the thing. I don't know what kind of relationship you had, good or bad, with your human father. 
But we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father because of Jesus Christ. He's adopted us in his family. We have access <coughs> to God, the almighty God of the universe. I want to tell you um, a quick story about a friend of ours that I've known for several years. Uh, her name's Julie. Her American name is Julie. Julie um, grew up in Korea. Julie actually grew up in a, in a Korean orphanage. Now, she's a pastor's wife here in, in Pennsylvania, actually, and she and her husband, Doug, are good friends of ours. But Julie um, grew up in an orphanage in Korea because her parents didn't want her. Um, often in that culture, unwanted kids are just put in this orphanage and are left there. Very little human contact, very little love, very little physical touch at all, just left there. One day, uh, an American delegation was visiting this uh, city in Korea. And uh, one of the members, which I'm, I'm sure that this name uh, doesn't mean much to maybe most of us here, but in some cases it does, because one of the members of this delegation was a lady who was an author and ended up being one of the wealthiest in her time, one of the wealthiest women in America. Her name was Pearl S. Buck. Does that name ring a bell? She's actually from Pennsylvania. And Pearl Buck, who had been already honored by Time Magazine and so on, saw this little girl in a Korean orphanage, and uh, Julie, and went to the administrator of the orphanage and said, I want to adopt that little girl. And all of a sudden, one of the wealthiest women in the United States adopted Julie into her family. And all of a sudden, this little girl that nobody wanted had access to Pearl S. Buck, this lady that hung out with diplomats and presidents. And there's a picture in her home, the Queen of England, Pearl Buck, at that level. And Julie was adopted. And Julie is, became this little girl in an orphanage in Korea. <clears throat> that nobody wanted was adopted into that kind of family. Think about that. The privileges, the rights of being an heir of Pearl Buck. Can I tell you that that's nothing compared to the fact that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, because of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we're adopted into God's family. And we become heirs of the God of the universe. We become heirs of the God who sets up kings and takes down kings. Mel's paraphrase. And he's our heavenly father. That is an incredible thing. <clears throat> and today on Mother's Day, I was just thinking about Julie and Doug and her testimony. And there's, she's written a book about that and she travels and talks about that and uses even the analogy 
that I use today, just realize that today we're a part of God's family. And God's family needs to be the model for our family and how we treat people and how we care about people. And so there in your notes you have references that talk about God as our Heavenly Father. You have references that I gave you that where the Bible uses that phrase, Abba, Father, <coughs> Daddy. And I've given you some of them. And I also gave you a little bit of a lesson there on the back about how the fact that we're God, God uses that term, that we're adopted into God's holy family. What an amazing thing that we're adopted. And I gave you a definition of that and all of that, that we're adopted into that. Now let me go back to the passage. And this is where I think it gets, I think, that this passage becomes incredibly personal, but incredibly real and and even kind of cool. Okay, here it is. He says, now therefore, and I've kind of taken you through, I'm not going to do this with every word, but I'm going to take you through this. Is now therefore, because of that, you're adopted into God's family. We have access to God. Who? <laughs> you. You and me. And that's a word, even in that language, the language that God's word was written in, that implies personally and collectively. If I were to say up here, because I'm the guy talking, right? If I were to say, now you, you would understand that it might be referring to you personally or it might be referring to you collectively like all of us here today. Actually, in the language, this word is both. Which again, I think is, I think is pretty cool. Remember, I've used this illustration before. Remember back during the early days, I think it was actually World War I and World War II, the Uncle Sam poster. Remember the recruiting poster where Uncle Sam you know, stars and stripes, and the tagline was, Uncle Sam wants you. And the idea was, you walk, by the, you walk by the poster, and you see gnarled finger of Uncle Sam, and it's pointing right at you. The war effort needed all of us. There was a collective you, while you, but there was also a personal you. In fact, you, you personally. So that's the idea that's here. A collective you and a personal you. Okay, so here it is. This applies to us, all of us here as individuals. It applies to all of us. Folks, let me say again. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, for eternal life, you can do that today. This applies to you. It's not just somebody else. It applies to you. And so what I want to do now for the next few moments is talk with you, and I'm going to do this really quickly, is talk about the amazing advantages of being a part of God's family that are mentioned here in this passage. So open up your notes. There in the middle is this chart that is just like this PowerPoint slide that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to talk about the amazing advantages to being a part of God's family. Number one, my thought is a little bit out of whack in changing computers. Number one is belonging. This passage starts off, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the households of God. It says there at the bottom, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, that applies. Here, here's, what it, here's what it's saying. That the, the word strangers and foreigners, it means like sojourners. It means like people who live here, but you're not from there. That you're no longer that. You're part of a new family. I don't think 
in my entire life I have ever done this before. Okay? But I'm actually going to quote <coughs> John Bon Jovi this morning. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. Some of you know that Bon Jovi years ago had a song. Who says you can't go home? Remember that song? I'm going to read part of it to you. Again, I know for those of you that are home, I know this is out of character. Mel Walker quoting John Bon Jovi. Here it is. I spent 20 years trying to get out of this place. I was looking for something I couldn't replace. I was running away from the only thing I've ever known. Drop down a few lines. I've been there, done that, but I ain't looking back on the seeds I've sown. And then he says this. Who says you can't go home? And then he says this, which is, I, I put that on the PowerPoint. There's only one place that they call you one of their own, and that's home. I mean, that could be the small town that you're from, his video movie or his, you know, on, on the song or whatever, but home, family. And to realize that we belong, that is an amazing confidence we have that if you're a part of a family, for good or bad, there is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of confidence that comes from that. But to realize that, you know, like my friend Julie in the, in the Korean orphanage, God picked us to be a part of his eternal family. That is an amazing thing. We're no longer strangers. We, we no longer have to say, I'm not from here. Because we're a part of God's family. We're a part of what God's doing in the world today. There's a sense of belonging. Number two, <clears throat> there's also an incredible sense of privilege. An incredible sense of privilege. This passage uses the phrase fellow citizens. If you are a citizen right, of the United States, you understand that that comes with it uh, some amazing privileges. I've had a few opportunities in my day to be uh, to travel. My daughter lives in Germany for one of those things, one of those reasons. Her church, where Crossway Church is in Berlin, Germany, is less than a mile, or yeah, less than a block away from the American consulate in Germany. I'm old enough to remember uh, some of the bad stories about Germany, right? I remember American history, and I remember world history, and and all of that, it's still a little bit disconcerting that on one side of this wall, there's American Marines, and the other side of the wall, there's German soldiers. Both are, you know, armed to the teeth. You know, it's just a little bit disconcerting. But there's a great confidence. The confidence is when you travel to Germany, or we've been to South Africa, we've been to Italy and, and other places, the confidence is that American passport that's in my pocket if something happens, I can make an appointment at the American Embassy. I have rights and privileges. Folks, we're a part of God's family. Our names are written, what the Bible says, the Lamb's Book of Life. There are rights and privileges that come with that. Talking about fellow citizens and members. I love that term. Now, we look at that as a little bit maybe snooty right around here you ever been a member of a country club no I haven't you know 
I mean, I'm that guy that has to sneak in to play golf. Good luck. Yeah, Todd used to work at a, you know, work at a club that none of us could afford to play there. But, uh, you know, the member, we understand that. We're members. We belong. We're part of the club. There's privileges. And that privilege is, again, going back, is that because of Jesus, we have access to Almighty God who spoke and created the world into existence. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing. I love that phrase in the Bible. And, and again, forgive me because the fonts I got, got messed up a little bit. The Bible uses the phrase fellow citizens. He uses the phrase, God uses the phrase fellow soldiers. God uses the phrase fellow laborers. And <clears throat> TGD talked with us about that this morning. Okay, that when we're part of God's family, we belong to something. We belong to something big. There's privileges, but we're in this thing with each other, which is an amazing thing to know that we don't have to go it alone. You know, it is. Again, it's a little bit disconcerting to be out of the country and, you know, and all of that. And it, you guard your passport like, you know, like, like grim death or something, you know, because you feel all alone. We don't have to feel all alone. The privileges is we're a part of something. We're members. We're citizens. We're a part of what God's doing today. And to, I love that idea that we're fellow citizens. We're fellow soldiers. We're fellow laborers. We're in this with each other. And that's one of the great things about church. Even the, the universal church. This past weekend I was telling you about, we went to Indiana. On the way back, we, Peggy and I stopped in a small town because she wanted to and because I'm a good husband. <laughs> this small town in Ohio, in, it's an Amish community, and Peggy wanted to go shopping and I didn't. So, um, yeah, last Monday morning, <clears throat> I take my computer, my iPad, and I find in the middle of this little town in Ohio, I find this coffee shop that had Wi-Fi. And I sat down and, and you know, and got a cup of coffee and was sitting there. And, and I realized that these two guys, gentlemen sitting right behind me, were talking about God, and we're talking about the Bible and talking about church. So I turned around and started talking with them, and here are two guys in the middle of nowhere of Ohio that I had never met before that all of a sudden were acting like we're, we're best friends because they were believers. They're part of my family. They're part of the family of God, and someday we have the confidence that we're going to be in heaven with people of every tribe, every race, every tongue, but the family of God, what God is doing in the world today <coughs> is huge and it's special. And there's an advantage, eternity, for being a part of God's family. Number three, being a part of God's family also has a history. I love this in the passage. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members. The saints and members of the household of God having built upon the foundation, we'll talk about that more in just a minute, of the apostles and prophets. There's a history to being a part of God's family too. Folks, there's a history to being part of your family, right? For good or for bad. I, uh, I was always, Christy's been doing the Ancestry.com 
with both of our families. I was always a little bit of afraid to look up my family because the people that I know in my family are weird enough. I'm not so sure that we should dig in, but there's a history there, right? There's a history there. In fact, in my family, it goes way, way back in the United States. I mean, it goes, it goes way back. And ultimately, Walker goes back to England. I mean, there's a history there. <coughs> We're a part of God's family. And there's a history there, too. And here it's talking about the church, and Ephesians builds this case. And we've talked about it in the past, so I'm not going to highlight this more than this. But to realize we're a part of what God's family's doing with prophets and apostles, that someday in heaven I'm going to get to hang out with guys like Peter and Paul. And, and, and I can't wait, some of my heroes. And again, I've told you even a couple stories about being in Germany today. I'm going to get a chance to hang out with Martin Luther someday. And Todd's going to meet Charles Spurgeon, one of his heroes someday. And people like that, it's big. We're a part of what God's doing. And there's a foundation. And to think about that, folks, think about that. That he's still doing that kind of thing through us in the world today. And that's an amazing thing. Even a guy sitting in a coffee shop in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. To realize that we're a part of what God's doing. And that's why church is so important. Because this is what God is doing and we're a part of that. There's a history to that. The saints, the big family of God and the foundation of people like prophets and apostles and people in the scriptures. We're part of what God's doing in the world today. Pastor Todd talked about this one last week. There's a stability to be a part of God's family too. The stability is that Jesus Christ, look at the language here. Jesus Christ himself in other words, don't miss this. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. That's, that should be incredibly encouraging. Maybe that should also be a little bit of motivating, too, and maybe even a little bit of kicking the pants to all of us. Pastor Todd, is that okay to say, kicking the pants? He mentioned vomit today, so it's probably okay to do that. Here's the kick in the pants, okay? Here it is, right here. The church has to be about Jesus. It's not about getting my way. It's not about getting my preferences. My goodness, what a mess this place would be. What a mess the church would be if it's about Mel Walker and, and doing what I want to do. The church is about Jesus. And those of us that are part of our church, we need to realize that our church is about Jesus. It needs to be. We're built on, on the foundation. There's a stability there. It gets... If it's about culture, if it's about meeting our needs, that, that, gets, that gets strange and that gets weak very, very quickly. It really does. The church is strong. There's a stability. There's a foundation because we're, part, we're, we're, we're built on Jesus himself. And that's the focus here. Next, number five, there's growth being a part of the church. This is what God is doing in the world today. It says it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It grows. In fact, if you read through Ephesians, one of the great things about that is that the church is designed to help. We're talking about that Wednesday night, the essential functions of the church. The church is designed, here it is, to help us grow spiritually. Folks, I'll say this as emphatically as I know how. You're never going to grow in the Lord. You're never going to grow in the Lord like you would 
being a part, unless you're a part of the church, unless you're part of what God's doing in the world today. That's God's design. That's God's design. There's growth, and we're growing into the holy temple that what God has for us. There's also a togetherness. Look at the language here. Here in this passage, it says in verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in whom also you are being built together. I love those two phrases, that we're being fitted together and that we're being built together. One of the, uh, one of the things that I think um, is really cool about northeastern Pennsylvania, and I grew up in Susquehanna County, and I grew up as, you know, going deer hunting and all of that kind of thing. Well, one of the things that absolutely amazes me about northeastern Pennsylvania driving around the countryside are the stone walls. You ever stopped and looked at stone walls? I grew up going deer hunting at this farm up north of Montrose, up north of in Susquehanna County, and it's this family farm, and they've owned this farm for, for generations. And I'll walk through the woods, and I'll walk to where I sit as a deer hunter, sometimes the first day, and it's on the edge of a stone wall. In fact, I'm going to talk with you a little bit about this Wednesday night at church family time, too. And I'm amazed at how much work that took. And decades, generations later, the stone wall is still there. The pieces are all these individual pieces of field stone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stop someday when you're driving around and look at a stone wall. All these pieces, it's not like bricks that they make at a factory where every brick is exactly the same or they trash it. It's field stone, and one is round, and one is square, and one is oblong. And, and if I tried to do that, it'd be wobbly. And, but they're fitted together, and they're pieces that humanly don't aren't, aren't meant to go together, but they're fitted together, and they're built together to make something, the stone wall. And to realize that God is doing this all around the world for this time period in history, a part of his church. That there's a togetherness. And so here's a guy like me with all of my quirks, with all of my strengths and all of my weaknesses. And God can use me because God made me this way. And I'm not taking you off the hook either. Collectively you or personally you. No offense. With all your quirks, with all of your strengths and your weaknesses, you're a part of this too. And God wants to use that because of how he made you. And there's a togetherness to that. That's the whole design of the church is that God can take us and put us together and make us into something. His work, which is absolutely an amazing advantage to be a part of what God's, God's doing in the world today. And then this, which kind of sums it up together. In whom also, verse 22, you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And I use the word perspective because I think it's important that we look at what God's doing in the world today from his perspective and from a God perspective, if you will. I've 
share this with you. I'm not going to take the time to turn there. But in Acts chapter 11, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Acts chapter 11. You can look it up. It tells the story about how Barnabas went to Antioch when the church was new. And it says he got there and encouraged them all. But the part of that verse, Acts 11, that I love, it says he got there in the New King James and it says he saw the grace of God. Think about that. How do you see grace? Remember the story in the New Testament where it says the disciples were out on a boat, out in the boat, and the storm came up and it says they saw the wind? Did they see the wind? They saw what the wind does, right? If we look around and we see grace, we see what God does. Folks, and I would just say as we close this morning, look around. You're going to see God. If not, maybe it's time to change your perspective and to realize that if we're a part of his family, that God is doing something in the world today. He is building a dwelling place. He's doing his church because he, as, as our heavenly father, is a part of our life. He talks about the Holy Spirit, that we're a part of his family, that Jesus Christ has promised us in his great commission, Lord, I'll be with you always. We're a part of this. And collectively, the Bible says we're two or three are gathered together. There am I in the midst. We're called the, that, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think about that. God's perspective and you realize that we're a part of what God is doing in the world today. We belong. There's privileges. There's history. There's stability. The church is all about Jesus. It's growing into what God would have for us, even in spite of our weaknesses. God is at work. There's a togetherness. We're being built for something, which is amazing. We're being built for something, and the perspective is God's doing this. It's easy humanly after all of that to look at life through the lens of life for our family and get discouraged. I think the point of this message today about family, God's family, is to look through the lens of the Word of God and see what God is doing in the world today and to realize that's an amazing advantage to being a part of what God's doing. And we're a part of that. And again, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have that perspective. You got saved from something to that confidence of eternal life. Please talk to someone today. There's people around here, Pastor Todd or me, Peggy, people that would love to talk with you and share you from the Word of God how you can have that confidence. 1 John 5.13, you can know that you have eternal life. We're a part of what God's doing in the world today. Yeah, human families, no offense, get human and get frail and get weird if we look at through life of what god's doing in the world today we're going to have a perfect example of love of stability of all those things i talked with you about today let me pray father i thank you for your word i thank you for what you've taught us from your word thank you that we could come have fellowship together but spend time in your word and looking at life father help us to see grace the grace of god father help us to see what you're doing in our lives and help us to look at life from your perspective God, for your glory for eternity. And oh God, I just pray that it should work in all of our lives. Give us, help us to where we have that confidence that we know that we have eternal life. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that 
by your son, you've adopted us into your family. What an amazing advantage. Father, help us always keep that in mind for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And uh, yes, study that passage and those passages on the back even more. Blessings.